couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, John the Baptist's birth, and that was kind of a sweet birth. That was kind of a cool thing. Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they couldn't have kids for years. Barren, it was a, a, you know, a, really a blot on her name because many people thought it was a curse. You were cursed by God if you couldn't have children, and then she gets pregnant. She has John the Baptist. She, everyone in their community, people are rejoicing for her. They're happy for the family that they're having kids. Uh, it's not that way for Mary. Uh, Mary's going through something a little different. Still an angelic uh, uh, message, a birth. You're going you're gonna to have Messiah. You're going to have the Savior of Israel. It's not going to look the same as Zacharias and Elizabeth. Not going to be the same. Your life's going to be a little different. Uh, in fact, Joseph would want to put Mary away privately. He was going to give her a writing of divorcement, but he loved her so much he wasn't going to make her an open spectacle. Uh, but he was going to leave her. Like, you're pregnant? What does that mean? I, that's just crazy to me. And he's going to divorce her. And an angel comes to Joseph and says, Hey, hey, hey listen, she's telling you the truth. So they don't get divorced. But Mary, after all this, everything she's going to go through, everything she's going to do, she says this to the angel, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. I'm your servant, God. I'm your servant and I will serve you. Be it according to your will, not mine. And I think that's the biggest hang up with our life. I shared with the guys uh, this week, this Wednesday, you know, Jesus has a prerequisite if you're going to follow him. Something that he's called us to. Jesus tells his disciples this. If any man desires to come after me, if you're going to follow me, here's what you have to do. You have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, if you're going to keep it, Jesus said you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what would a man give in exchange for a soul? Jesus said, you can trust me, but you do have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow me. I think a lot of people have a hang-up with that. We're selective, like, mm, I don't know, Lord. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'll give you my whole life. I'll give you some of my life. Like you got Sunday mornings, you know, and that's the way we can be sometimes. And Mary wasn't that way with her. Here's my life. Do with it what you will. And I shared with the guys on Wednesday. This was that was Abraham's thing. When God called Abraham, he was still Abram. God speaks to him. He says, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. That's a scary thing. Like, you might go if, if I said, hey, listen, get out of your country. We're heading to Aruba. Here's your ticket. Let's go. Here's your, some spending money. You know, God tells Abraham, we're gonna, you're going to leave. I want you to leave. Your family, everything you know, your security, your safety net, your finances. Maybe you had a, a business there, a family business. Who knows? 
But God says, Abraham, I want you to leave. But this is what he tells him. He says, and I will make you a great nation. He wasn't a great nation yet. Just one guy and his wife. This is what I'm going to do for you. It's what you have to believe when the Bible tells you. You can follow me. You need to deny yourself. Do you believe God? I don't know, Lord. How can I trust you? Well, Abraham had that. I'll make you a great nation. Listen, I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'm your protection. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham could have said, nah. Send someone else. Pick someone else. But he doesn't. He goes. And that's the same with your life. In my life. Are we willing to deny ourselves? Are we willing to say, willing to say here's, my, here's my will. It's not mine anymore, Lord. It's yours. Take it. Do what you want with my life. And that's Mary. Mary is like, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it according to your will. Mary doesn't know, yeah, all right. She can bear the stigma of having a child out of wedlock. She'll carry that her whole life. They'll tell Jesus that, you know. We weren't born of fornication at over 30 years old. They'll tell Jesus that. It's something she wore her whole life. But she doesn't know chapter 2 yet. You thought, all right, you know, I can bear that. Well, Mary's got a little more she's going to go through. And sometimes our life can look like that. So verse 1 in Luke chapter 2, it gives us the the climate of the day. What's happening? It says, verse 1, It came to pass in those days that the the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Caesar Augustus is, is... Like the gods, that's what Augustus means. He's not happy with being just a king or being on the throne. He says, I want a a title that I'm like the gods. And he was a world ruler. He ruled over all the known world. He was the superpower of the day. And he sends everyone home to be registered and everyone had to comply to what he said. Comply or else. And the census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So the climate of the day, Caesar Augustus, it was also in the days of Herod. We're going to see... in a, in a little while, not this week, uh, we're going to see that Herod is just a maniac. He's a king of that area. He has killed so many people already, and then once he finds out there's another king coming, he hears from the wise men, he's going to kill all the children in Bethlehem two years and younger. This guy is nuts. He's crazy. That's the, that's the day that they're living. There's a census. Everyone's got to go, and no, everyone has to comply. Rome ruled in Israel. Crazy days, but we're going to see 
What this guy does, Caesar Augustus, he's just a pawn in God's hands. God is directing, ordering all the circumstances to put Mary and Joseph right where they're supposed to be. And God's doing that in your life. Right? You might think, man, what, why is this happening? What's going on? Who, who, did this, who do they think they are? How can they? And God is orchestrating and ordaining things. And using circumstances and people, maybe in high authority, to get you right where you're supposed to be. And Joseph leaves. He has to leave Galilee, Nazareth, and head to Bethlehem. That's his hometown, Bethlehem. It's an 80-mile journey. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 The reason they have to go there is because a prophet 700 years before this ever happened said that that's where Messiah was going to be born. The ruler of Israel who was from old, from everlasting, this guy, Messiah was needed to be born in Bethlehem. So they have to make this trip. And God just ordains this circumstance to order them to Bethlehem. And they go. And sometimes it's the way our life looks, right? We're, we're like, Lord, how is this going to work out? And God ordains the circumstance. I always think of, you know, Moses there, a mountain on this side, a mountain on that side. Pharaoh behind him with his armies. There's the Red Sea ahead of him. How are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get through? A, a way they didn't expect, the sea opens. And God leads them right through. Right? So God will do things in your life, in my life, that we don't expect, a way we couldn't have imagined or planned, but He's sovereign. And He's in control. And He's in control of this situation. But Mary doesn't realize it. Mary's like, oh my goodness, could it happen at, at, at a worse time? Right? Because it says this in verse 5, they're going to be registered, He's going to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife, who was with child. She's great with child, right? That means she's about to have a baby. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She's due any day. And, and when we, our first baby, Lydia, we had her and we were, Lee and I were moving from Geneseo to Perry, we bought a house, it closed, and uh, a week before she was going to have the baby, before we had Lydia, we moved. We're settling the house, but one of the main things we had to settle, settled a lot of things, we had a spare bedroom, we shoved a lot of things in, but we settled a lot of things, but one of the main things was Lydia's bedroom. Like we had the crib set up, we had the carpet and the, the color and everything set because moms start to nest, you know, when they're about to have, especially their first baby, after, you know, several of them, it's like, yeah, that room's good enough, right? But, you know, the first one, it's like, what are we going to do? This is cool. We're settling our house, getting everything ready. I'm trying to picture Mary here. You know, she's traveling 80 miles, probably on 
donkey, it would take three or four days. Four days if it's 20 miles a day on average. If she's walking, I don't know. Like, this is hard for someone who's pregnant. You know, those of you who have had to do things late in their pregnancy know, know it's hard. I don't know how that is, you know. I was encouraging Leah, you're doing great, you know. But, but uh, it, this has got to be hard on her, right? And, and when it all goes down, she, you know, we had our car ready. We had the, the car seat, we had the bag packed, we had the little baby diapers, we had the, all the stuff, the beanies, we had everything. Mary and Joseph, they don't have that, right? We knew the doctor, we could call him, we had his personal number, we're heading in, okay, we can tell. They don't have that. She's taken this 80-mile journey into, for, you know, for her it's unknown. There's no Airbnbs, there's no, like, call ahead, let's reserve a room, let's make sure, let's call the doctor. They, she doesn't have that. She's traveling 80 miles into really the unknown, She's about to have a baby. And it says, verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Right? And, that, and we see, you know, we call them nativity scenes and you, you can buy them. And sometimes we put one out here at Christmas time and you drive by them at different churches. This, it looks kind of cool. There's a couple animals, but it's this beautiful, you know, it is a barn a lot of times, but man, it's so nice for baby Jesus to, to lay there in this little thing with all kinds of hay and straw. And, and, but th- listen, this is a barn. And the barn, the manger is a feeding trough. And it's not one of those Ray Dunn, you know, f- Bowls, it doesn't say Ray Dunn on the side and it's all custom, right? This is a feeding trough that animals eat out of. She has to wrap her baby in swaddling clothes. Like, what else? What do you have, Joseph? I thought you were going to bring this stuff. What? All right, give me some swaddling clothes. Those were the same exact things that Jesus would be wrapped in at the end of his life. The same clothes when Jesus, they wrapped and bound the body. And really he was, he, you know, he's born in a cave because that's what the barns of the day was basically a cave. And Jesus is going to go, he's going to end his life in a cave. He's going to be buried in a cave, in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. Where Joseph and Mary are here at his birth. And Joseph, Mary and Joseph of Arimathea will be there at the end of his life. And he goes and he lays down in a manger. He's laid down with these burial cloths and he's set down. It's like, you have a baby, where, where should we put him, honey? Let's put him on the concrete, right? Because that's what the feeding trough, that's what a manger is, stone. That's how he came into this world. Kind of a rough place. Not how you might picture having your first baby. Like after a while, you get to be pretty good. Some people have a lot of babies. And after a while, they're like, they're fine, right? First, when I had Lydia, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this thing? Now I'm a little better, not much, but a little. I'm not as worried. I can hold babies now. When we first had Lydia, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to break her. Take her back. Lydia was like, come on, you've got to hold her at some point. I'm like, I will when she's two. 
I'll hold her. Not right now. She's too fragile. And they have to go to a barn. Why? Because there's no room in the inn. There's no space. They couldn't call ahead. And I, and I thought, that, that's really the way it's, 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 you know, and you hear it. Probably you've heard it if you've heard the Christmas story. Or, you know, it's Christmas in October now. But uh, if you've heard the Christmas story, right, there's no room for Jesus. No room. And that's really sad. There's no, there, there wasn't any room for him. And that's the way it is in life today. A lot of times there's no room for Jesus. We compartmentalize him. I'm available on Sunday, Jesus, if there's nothing else going on. Imagine if you went on a, a trip to see one, someone. Because this is what Jesus did. You know, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, He became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. He was marred more than any man. He was bruised. He was crucified for us. And you know what? He comes into this world, a world he created, and there's no room for him. Can you imagine traveling across the country? To see someone. You can fly, drive, however you want to do it. You know, you spend money, maybe you bring your family. You get there to visit these people and they say, oh, but survivor's on. I can't right now. Can you guys come back in like an hour? Right? And that's what we do with Jesus sometimes. Like, Jesus, I don't have time right now. But you know what? I will spend time with you. Sunday, between... 10 and 11, make sure worship's done. I hope the pastor doesn't go long this week, right? And we give them a little bit of time, and we, and we give them Sundays maybe or Sunday mornings, but we don't give them our life. And just the way, you know, it's so telling, Jesus comes to uh, uh, a manger, a, 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 a has to be born in a barn. Why? Because there's no room. We don't make room for the most important person on the planet because he loves you so much he died and he's not just a person he's God himself and we don't make room we don't make room I'm not saying you don't make room sometimes I don't make room right we can all be guilty of that there's no room for him And she may have thought, God, did I hear you wrong? Seems so much easier for Zacharias and Elizabeth. There's a lot of talk, Jesus. There's a lot of talk, Lord, about what's going on, what happened with Joseph and I, and now we come to, you know, we have to be registered. I'm traveling when I'm pregnant, I'm due, I have, now I'm having the, did I hear something wrong? And sometimes we look at circumstances of life. You can look at your life and say, man, Lord, did I hear you wrong? But you can't go by circumstance. Sometimes things are hard. We trust Him when things are easy. Lord, I'm going to follow you. And sometimes we just trust Him when things are hard too. It's okay, because more often than not, it's in the hard times that, that we're challenged. Oh, Lord, did I hear you? Should I be following you? Was this the right choice? Did I do the right thing? And they did. 
they did. But we can question. You know, it, Moses could have questioned. You know, he gets to Egypt as this great deliverer. He's got his rod in his hand. Like, all right, Lord. Pharaoh rejects him. Pharaoh makes it harder on the people. Then the people are like, Who, what? This is nuts. Moses, you're wrong. This is, right? Moses needed that burning bush. Moses needed that burning bush. And Mary needed that angel to say, you know what? It's okay. This is what your life is going to look like. This is what you do. And she's like, I'm your handmaid. I'm your servant. Whatever your will is, I'll do it. And we can struggle with that. It says this in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to, to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Here's the birth, this angelic birth announcement, and who does it go to? It's interesting. You know, it doesn't go to grandma and grandpa, right? They're not even there, probably, maybe. It doesn't go to the priests, hey, Messiah's born. It doesn't go to a king, it doesn't go to Herod. It goes to these shepherds. Why? Well, I think, number one, it goes to the shepherds uh, because it includes everyone. This message of who Jesus is, it includes everyone. Because the shepherds of the day were the people that were maybe considered to be not really, uh, I don't know, they're not that good shepherds in that day. You, you couldn't, if you were a shepherd and there was a crime and you witnessed it, your testimony in court wasn't good because they weren't trustworthy. Couldn't believe them. You couldn't trust them. So a shepherd, and the angels go to these shepherds in the field. Say, hey, I, I want to tell you something. Something amazing is coming. If you believe me and you go here, you're going to find out. Another reason I think that the angels go to, the, to, to a shepherd, be, it's because, number one, many scholars think that these shepherds were taking care of the temple sheep, sheep that would be there for sacrifice. They're outside of Jerusalem taking care of the sheep, and these sheep were, were the ones you know, for Passover and different sacrifices that would be brought in. And Jesus said, uh, John the Baptist said, that behold the Lamb of God. That's who Jesus is. He's the Lamb. He's the sacrifice. Jesus also said that he's a good shepherd. So the message goes to a shepherd. Why? Because Jesus is, Jesus is also a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He'll lay down his life for the sheep. Kind of like David. 
right? David would go fight a bear, a lion, preparing him to fight Goliath. Like, Lord, what's the difference? A lion, a bear, a Goliath, I'm okay. Trusting you. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is such a good shepherd that he said the kingdom of heaven is like a man having a hundred sheep. And if he lost one or one goes astray, he'll go after that one. Right? If you have animals, if you have dogs, more than one, you know that that can happen. Like, what do I do? Hold this one, go after that one. That one's going to run if I... But Jesus goes after that one that's on the run. It's like, stay there, I'm going over here. Right? Because he loves that one. And that one, you know, if you have two dogs and you have to chase one every once in a while, you want to, when you get to it, you want to choke it. Jesus isn't, embraces it, loves it. Right? So the message goes to these shepherds. They're keeping flock, keeping, keeping watch over their flock by night. We know it's at night. That's when Mary and Joseph have their Jesus. It's at night, you know, by candlelight or whatever. And he stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. It says that they were afraid. Phobia. It's where we get our word phobia. Does anyone here have a phobia? Right, when I was, when I was uh, years ago. I think I was in high school, arachnophobia came out, right? Fear of spiders. And there's tons of, if you look it up, Google it, there's like crazy phobias now. Like there was one, I just Googled it real quick before service, and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, my internet wasn't working great, but like fear of the Pope, I don't even know what, what the phobia was, but there was a fear of the Pope, like that's a real thing? That's crazy. Like all these fears of thread, fears of like what is going on. But the Bible speaks to our fears, doesn't it? Over 400 times in the Bible, it talks about fear. Over almost 150 times the Bible says, don't fear. You don't have to fear. The phobia you have, you're afraid of being alone? You're afraid of dying? You're afraid of the circumstance isn't going to work out? Or what are you afraid of? Because the Bible speaks to it. And God wants to minister to you that you don't have to be afraid of what's coming, what's happening. Tons of phobias out there. Don't be afraid. He says, Behold, I bring you good tidings. That's good news. That's the gospel of great joy, which shall be to all people. Great joy. If you're looking for happiness, which a lot of us are, right? We get a new car. Oh, we're so happy. We get the car payment. I'm not so happy. We, we take it somewhere fun, and people say, man, what a nice car. And then where you parked it, you got a door ding. Then you're like not happy again, right? And happiness fluctuates with what you have and circumstances and different things. Joy is different. It's not based on circumstance. It's like, yeah, I got a door ding. That's okay. The Lord's going to, I'm going to catch a fish and find a coin in its mouth and make my next car payment. You know, God is with you. Joy is different. You can have joy in circumstance 
Good times, bad times. The Lord's with you, and he's going to walk us through hard things. That's joy. You can have joy when things are bad and good. Happiness is based on, you know, is my cappuccino hot? It's not hot. Wow, they added sugar. I asked for Splenda, right? When our happiness changes, and it's very fickle. If you're looking for happiness, you're on the wrong quest. You're on the wrong journey. Joy is based on your relationship with Jesus Christ and following Him, trusting Him. You can have joy in spite of what's going on, in spite of everything. To all people, there's no exclusions. We went to a, uh, an outlet mall last weekend. It happens at every mall. It doesn't have to be in an outlet mall. You walk by the store and it says 80% off. 80% off, that's my kind of deal. And then it says some exclusions apply. But like, or, you know, It's got this, and you go in there, and I'm looking for the 80% off, and then there's a little rack there, with, and it's extra, 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 extra small or extra 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 large like what of course these are 80 percent off nobody's wearing this stuff right but with the gospel there's no exclusions there's no hidden you know fine print that, that jesus christ came into this world luke will tell us to save sinners there's, there's, there's nothing hidden. It's to all men. There's no exclusions. There's no hidden fine print. There's born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's important because He is Lord. He's a Savior, but He's also a Lord. You've got to have that. Is He master of your life? You trust him for salvation, but do you trust him for all the things of your life? Do you let him lead your life? That's what a Lord is. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And he says, This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe. And that word Dr. Luke uses for babe is brephos. It's the same word he uses when. John the Baptist leaps in the womb when, when he's in the womb. It's the same word used whether a baby's in the womb or out of the womb. Still a baby. Brephos. It's the same word because it is a baby. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's odd. That would be odd to, for, the, for the shepherds. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill. Well, that's the message. These guys from heaven who were in heaven, this heavenly host, they understood this, it's, it's peace and goodwill. That's what God has. That's what his desire is. Peace and goodwill. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds 
said to one another, let's go home. I don't believe it. This is dumb. What would you have for, you know. They said, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They respond to the message. They respond to the message. That's the reality for every person here. You're responding to, to, to the message today, to the gospel. Everybody here is responding. And by not responding, by going home and saying, ah, maybe next time, that's your response. The response is, not me, not today. And what these guys do, they respond by, hey, let's go check it out. Let's go. Yeah, it's out of our way. Yeah, who's going to watch the sheep? Yeah, who's going and, to... And yeah, is it, does it cost you? Does it take a little time out of your day? Does it... Whatever. These guys respond to the message. And that's what it takes in your life. You have to respond. It's on you. It's not on mom or dad or on the pastor. You have to respond. And they do. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Their response, they find out it's all true. Wow. What they said was true. That's amazing. But you'll never know unless you respond that way. You won't see it unless you respond. Let's go check it out. You know what? I believe what they said. I believe Jesus did die on a cross. I believe they did bury him in a tomb. It's history. That's fact. And I believe I can give him my life. But unless you do that, you won't find out that it's true for yourself. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. That's before Jesus tells his disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel. They can't help but preach what they know. The the great commission to them didn't have someone, an angel didn't say, all right, now go tell everyone. Like naturally, this is amazing. Let me go tell people. They can't contain it. They can't hold it in. I got to tell people what's happened. And they go... And it says they made it widely known, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, they marveled. They all responded one way or or another, but they all marveled. Is this true? Is this not true? I don't, this is crazy, but hey, let's check it out. Some of them did. But verse 19, it says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary begins to think. She's processing what's going on. Man, what's this look like? What is going on? Why? And sometimes that's what happens in our life. We go through things, we go through hard things, and we start to process. We start to process. We start to, why did that happen? What what does that mean, Lord? And you always have to plug in the Word of God. The guys we, we play, I've mentioned it before, old man basketball, on Saturday mornings, and uh, we do a little devotion with the boys, and uh, Brandon was talking to the boys this week about letting the Word of God be your guide. And I just thought about uh, Job, who says that, I saw that the Word of God was more necessary than my daily food. 
It's more necessary, right? Because you'll go through hard things. Job was going through some hard things. David went through some hard things. You're going through some hard things. And the Word of God needs to be the foundation. And ultimately, the harder it gets, man, you find out, I can't get away from this thing. God, what do you have to tell me? I can't get through this without you. What is going on? What else do you have? What other anchor are you holding on to in your life? Your money? Your finances? Your relationship with someone? Because a lot of times those things can crumble. But there is a foundation that you can hold on to that it's an anchor that's sure and steadfast that isn't going anywhere. It's Jesus Christ and His Word. And that's why Job says, this is more necessary than the food I eat. And I thought of my kids, like Joshua, how much food that kid eats. Like he wakes up thinking about food. Goes to bed like it's bedtime and he's like, I don't think I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. Eat it in the morning. Save me some money. Would you... But that's the way Job looked at the Bible, at God's word, like this is more necessary than food I eat every day. Something that I know my son thinks about all the time. Food. And Job's like, I need your word, God. Because he went through some deep stuff. And Mary is pondering these things and she's plugging in God's word into her heart. This is hard. This is hard. I just had a baby. I had to lay him down in a manger. What is happening? Wait a second. Micah 5.2. Right? And you have to plug in the Word of God and know, I'm doing the right thing. This is the right direction. This is the right path. I'm going to hold on. Because God's holding on to me. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. They were just praising the Lord. Lord, this is so amazing. This is awesome. Thank you. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about chapter 11, these witnesses, these men and women of faith who walk through hard things, let us lay aside every weight. Those are, that's just stuff holding us back. And then he says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He started it, he's going to finish it. He's the author and finisher of it. Then it says this who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. The manger was a mission for you and I. That we might have joy. He became poor that we might become rich. Matthew tells us that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who found treasure in a field. And he went and he sold everything so he could buy that field. Not to have, I got some great land to plant corn in. No, he bought the field, which is this world, because there was a treasure in it, and that treasure's you and I. He bought the field 
for the treasure that's in it. And that's you and I. But it cost him everything. It says he sold everything. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. It cost him his life. He died the most brutal death. You can die. Separated from the Father. Ashamed. Or there was shame. He wasn't ashamed of you and I. But it cost him so much because he loves us so much. And that's the manger. It was a mission. And he came, and the shepherds were able to rejoice. And they praised God for everything they had seen and heard, the things that were told them. So, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you care so much for us. Thank you for your mission. Your mission to come into this world, to be born alone. No doctors in a cave, in a stable, in a barn, laid in a manger, a stone feeding trough. And your mission was to reach us. Lost, broken, blind at times, Lord. And we recognize we need you. We want to respond to that message, Lord that you came to seek and save the lost. We believe it. It was we're the lost. I just pray, Lord, if anyone here is, is wondering, well, what is, what, it, it, did I make the right choice? Is this, was this your plan? That people can trust your will and your way. And you just want us to give you the reins of our heart, to give you, to, to let you lead us. We want to do that, Lord. Because our path isn't as good. We can map out our path and plan our way and we know yours is better. We don't have a better plan for our life. You do. We just want to give you that, Lord. Thank you for your love. We celebrate communion today, just what you did for us, Lord, that you were, uh, you were killed for us. And not just, uh, not just simply dying, Lord. You suffered a shameful death, painful death for us because we were the joy set before you, Lord. I pray that as we sit and take communion today, we can reflect on that, Lord. <clears throat> In your name.